When we think of all those different factors, the one thing we can never change and get back is time. All these things are happening over this time horizon. When we get to the point when we're ready to step away, we haven't had the ability to earn the same way and grow our money the same way. Hey everyone, I'm Annie Dickerson and on behalf of the entire Good Egg Investments team, I wanted to welcome you to this episode of the Life and Money Show, the show where we talk about everything from investing to financial freedom to parenting, traveling, creating a life by design, and everything in between. I'm here today with my amazing co-host, Susan Elliott. Susan, start by sharing with everyone a little bit about what we're going to be talking about on today's show. Yeah, today was great. We actually get a chance to talk to Leslie Batson from Rebel Rock Wealth. And she has built a sort of wealth strategy, wealth management group for advising, for coaching, for all things, because she saw this need for looking at things holistically. So she went to the wealth advisors and they said, here is what you do with investing. And that's such a small piece of the entire wealth puzzle that she said, wait a minute, there's room to create something that can help more people here. So we got to talk to her and about her new mentorship program. So today's episode is fantastic in that we're going to kind of zoom out for what is holistic wealth approach. Why do we need to look at wealth in all these different buckets to be able to grow in the ways we want to be able to get to the life that we're trying to live in the end, right? Or along the way for the most part. And then we also dive down deep into why actually that's a little bit more important for women to take these steps to understand their whole wealth approach, because the cards haven't always been stacked in our favor, or we may not have been coming from a place of knowledge and empowerment in this space. Men too, but specifically women, where she's really loving to focus right now these days. So we hear a lot from Leslie about that. It's a great show. Yeah, absolutely. And I can say that I've been in that situation as a woman that, you know, for a long time, I thought investing was, oh, my husband takes care of that piece. And he kind of takes the lead on that. And I kind of just sign on the dotted line when we're purchasing a property or whatnot. I was that person. And, you know, I've certainly come a long way since then. A few wake up calls along the way, which maybe we'll get into, but it's important for anybody and women, especially because there's many life situations and vulnerable situations that can impact women more. And so what we're going to be talking about with Leslie, if you're a woman listening to this show, you're definitely going to want to stick around for it. But mm-hmm. first, before we dive in, for anybody looking to build wealth or even just get a sense of the financial picture of where you are and where you want to go, how to reach your financial goals, how to retire early, anything in the, along those lines, you're going to need a community around you, a sounding board, so to speak. And Leslie's going to talk about her community a little bit later in the show, but we invite all of you to join our community, the Good Egg Investor Club. Whether you're new to investing or you're a seasoned investor, this community will give you a place to join with like-minded individuals to get access to our investment opportunities, our team, to get your questions answered, to see if investing passively in real estate is right for you and your goals. So to join, just go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest. All right. With that, Susan, I want to know your experience as a woman with money. Were you taught a lot about money growing up or how did you start to become interested in finance and financial topics? 
I became interested because of a deep moment of vulnerability and fear. I hit a wall in my 20s, maybe it was even early 30s, where I just realized like there is so much I don't know. And because of not knowing, because of that lack of knowledge, I have no control over what's about to happen. And it really came from like I grew up in two households, one of which was incredibly scarcity mindset. So fear of spending money, fear of even tipping waitresses. It was so embarrassing, let me tell you. And then the other household was exactly what Leslie, you know, she spoke to me a few times in today's interview where she was like, maybe you grew up with, I needed clothes for school and they just came. I, they, you know, we weren't overly wealthy, but we were middle class. And I went on a Spanish trip in high school with my Spanish class to Spain, for instance. I have no idea how much that cost or where it came from. So things were just, were t- I was taken care of, but my stepdad managed the money. And so I didn't learn anything. So I, I hit this point where I realized like, I don't know how this works. I've clearly lost time with whatever this investing compounding time thing is. And I've developed almost like a panic mindset around these unknown bills that might come up. I remember I got hit by a car one time and I hadn't been keeping up with my car insurance because that was something that just happened for me. And so it was never sort of passed off and like, this is what this is and this is how this works. And so I really dove into wealth and investing and understanding our finances from that point. And that's kind of like what drove me. And so a lot of her speaking to that, if knowledge is the essential piece here, and I love that that's what her Rebel Rock Wealth is founded on, that like, let's just have this foundational knowledge here. Let's be sure we're all on the same page. And then the knowledge to be able to move up that the wealth ladder, the wealth trajectory down the road. And that's what I was lacking too. How about you, Annie? Yes. So for me, it was similar in some ways in that I also grew up with two very different perspectives on money from my mom and my dad. They had very different perspectives. My mom was also very scarcity mindset, all about saving. My dad was very much about when call it abundance is kind of like scarcity, but in a weird way, but he was more okay spending money, investing money, but in obscure things like coins. Like, yeah. So it's kind of, Ooh. yeah, no, he really had a stamp. Oh, he no. had a stamp collection. Oh, yeah. No. He had a stamp collection. He had a coin collection. He invested not in index funds the way you're supposed to, but he invested in very specific types of investments, which after he passed, we found, we were like, why would you put all your money in this? Anyway, so it was two very distinct perspectives on money. And I kind of landed sort of somewhere in the middle. But for me, you know, I mentioned, you know, in my 20s, I didn't really pay that much attention to money and investing. It was kind of something that we did through house hacking. It was like, okay, this makes sense, but I'm not focused on this. This isn't like the retirement stuff. Like I was a teacher. I kind of just signed up for the bare minimum, the pension or whatever. I didn't really take time to roll it over once I left teaching. Once I got into a corporate job, I didn't really look into the 401k and what that Mm -hmm. meant and all the different benefits. And I knew about the stock market, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it, where to even go to like buy a stock or invest in the stock market. I just knew it as this nebulous thing. But for me as a woman, especially as an immigrant woman in America, having not been taught by my parents, this is the way things work. This is the stock market and this is how to do it. I was very afraid because, you know, I was valedictorian of 
my high school class. I went to an Ivy League school. I had a reputation to protect. I couldn't let people know that I didn't didn't know know anything about money, right? I couldn't be like, admit that I didn't have this aspect of my life under control, so to speak. And so for a long time, I just kind of waved it away. I just pretended it didn't exist. And I was like, my husband does that part. Or, you know, I think it's covered or this is generally what we do, but I didn't know the specifics. And I was almost afraid to look at it because I didn't know where to start to have that conversation. I didn't want to look dumb. And I have a feeling that that's a similar experience unfolds for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, the embarrassment of like not understanding how debt works, or how Leslie's hack was great in terms of credit cards. Mm-hmm. So stick around for that, because it is this foundational piece of the puzzle that we should just know it's this is so simple. And you get to a point where you can't go back and ask. So to have a safe space where we're able to learn about the foundations of wealth is so important. And Leslie really drove that point home for women coming from the space where she's come from. So as a divorcee, as a woman who was presented with that 401k option, here is your wealth plan, i.e. just your singular type of investing plan, which is what that wealth firm did for her. And I think about that too, that it took a while. For me, it was seeing that, oh, wow, I have to contribute X percentage of my paycheck in order to even have a bare minimum of whatever your calculator is telling me to retire on. And then seeing that like, I can't live off the rest of that. I can't take 50% out of my paycheck. Oh, there's no hope for me. It was like one way or the highway. And that for me was the hard part. I'm like already working full-time as an engineer back when I was an engineer. And I had that I thought I was like on the track to be able to have everything worked out financially. You know, I worked through a lot of financial scarcity. I became an engineer. I worked, you know, and then just to be faced with that one sort of black and white scenario of like collect $200 and pass go or too bad, you're going to work for the rest of your life. And it was kind of just like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life. And how demeaning is that? So real estate really unclicked that for me. But I think too, I look back at like real estate investing also ushered in all of these other principles because the people that you surround yourself in real estate investing, I feel like at least the people that I did, which was a lot of good egg, quite frankly, is this like holistic approach to wealth. The people that are on this life and money show. I listened to Leslie's podcast back in around the episode 80 mark and remember thinking about, you know, whole life insurance. And all I could think about was old white men in suits or just like people that I didn't relate to me as much. And so hearing from a woman on that topic was really helpful and getting this kind of foundational knowledge of all the different pieces within a holistic wealth approach. And Leslie does that really well. I really liked her take on that. Yeah. I really like how she talked about, you know, whether you have $10,000, you know, you make $10,000 a day, $10,000 a month, $10,000 a year, it doesn't matter your income level, but there are certain fundamentals around money and wealth that everybody should know. And we go into that a little bit on the show, but the holistic view of wealth um, really resonates with me because I was in that place where once I turned the corner and I was like, okay, I need to know a little bit more about money. Okay. It's investing. It's real estate investing. So I put my blinders on and I went down that path. But then I neglected the insurance aspect and the retirement planning aspect and all these other pieces that go into building wealth. It's like playing trivial pursuit. You've got all the pieces of the pie. You've got to collect them all. You've got to think about all those pieces. 
And it's not just investing, even though a lot of people focus on that piece. But that's what the beauty of Leslie and what she does is she helps people to see all the pieces before jumping the gun onto a certain path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, in this conversation with Leslie, we cover so much not just about Leslie and her story and some of the things that held her back along the way, but also how she works with her clients, women especially. She's going to talk a little bit about her new money mentoring club specifically for women. And like we mentioned, that community aspect, especially as you're going on a journey of building wealth is so vital for helping you to avoid mistakes, to hear what others think, to have that sounding board and that support. And so she's going to dive into all of that. Any last thoughts, Susan, before we dive into the conversation? No, there's a lot of great nuggets in here that I think everyone can benefit from. So, And definitely listen to the end because she shares that great hack. And not only that, she shares some amazing ways that she's helping to make the world a better place. So you won't want to miss that. Here we go. Here's our conversation with Leslie Batson. Leslie, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back, Annie. Yeah, it's been a long time. I was just looking back. You were on the show way back on episode 80. We're nearing episode 200 now. So a lot of stuff has happened since then. So we're thrilled to have you here so that you can fill us in on some of the latest findings through your work, especially with women and money. But first, for any of our audience members who may not be familiar with you and Rebel Rock Wealth, give us some of the highlights of who you are, your story, and how you came to build Rebel Rock Wealth. Sure. Okay. So the highlights. (laughs) So I was an IT consultant, worked in IT for 20 years, was, you know, higher income earner. I got a divorce and that had me look at my finances, right? It was no longer about we, we, we. It was now, okay, it's back to me, single income. I don't have any kids. It's like, wow, this is a real eye opener. I really need to go get some advice, <laughs> some financial advice. So I did what most people do. I went online. Went online, looked at some blogs, looked at some, you know, experts. And I thought, uh, I'm not really driving with what they're telling me. Let me just go talk to an expert. So I found a financial advisor, you know, paid them a little hefty change for them really to just come back and show me in a nice glossy presentation, basically everything that I saw online. This is not aligning with me. I don't necessarily want to put all my money in the market and just kind of have other people babysit it. Let me go back to what I knew best, which was real estate investing. I had done that when I lived in Chicago previously, and I thought I'll just get back to that. And I started to listen to some podcasts to you know improve my education. Great podcasts like yours. I don't think it was there at the time, but learning just you know different skills. And they a guest had come on to talk about different strategies that you can use when it comes to real estate investing. And one of them was infinite banking. And that's when I had learned all about whole life insurance, really just more about life insurance in general. And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole of exploring that and got my own policies and that um, was implementing it for myself, had other you know friends and other colleagues who were interested in doing what I was doing. And I said, okay, I should get licensed. And so I did. And I started Rebel Rock Wealth really because I wanted people to understand that there were other ways to grow your wealth beyond just, you know, like typical private wealth management or, you know, typical financial advisor. And you really can have control over your finances as long as you have the education. So really with Rebel Rock Wealth, it's like really rooted in education. And then I will help you implement the strategies, you know, if that's what you choose to do. 
And I just ask real quick, I love so much about your story, that point where, you know, you were a newly divorced woman and you're trying to get a hold of your finances. You're trying to just understand where you are, find your footing in all of this, right? Yeah. Why wasn't it when you found the financial advisor and they presented you with this glossy presentation, I imagine many women in that situation would have been like, well, like you go to the doctor, right? They're the expert. Right. You right. get this glossy presentation. You're like, well, these people are the experts. I paid them this money. Here are their recommendations. I guess I'll just do what they say. But what was it in you that was like, huh, I don't know about this. This doesn't feel right. What told you not to go that direction? Well, for me, <laughs> so I am turning 50 this year. Okay. So I lived through the financial crisis, 2008, even the recession in the 2001-ish timeframe. I didn't have a whole lot of money at that time because I was only a couple years out of school, but I've lived through, you know, putting all your money into a 401k and seeing it go up and down and basically, you know, <laughs> not disintegrate, but, you know, just riding that whole roller coaster of the stock market. And then they were essentially convincing me to roll over my past 401ks to them, put more money in the market, just in different buckets, right? So if you put it in a brokerage account versus, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. it's still all in the market. It's just whatever bucket you're in, it's just different tax consequences. But I had explained from the initial discussion, I'm not too fond of the stock market. I'm not saying I want to pull all my money out of it and I don't want to have any money in there, but I want to learn about other ways to grow my wealth. I'm interested in real estate investing. I'm really interested in this, interested in that. And what they came back with was really nothing that applied to anything that I discussed, right? I just felt like they're not really listening to me. And if I go to anyone else, any other typical financial advisor, that's what they're going to want to do because that's how they get paid. They get paid based on the amount of asset, the amount of my assets that they manage, right? So it's the whole AUM, assets under management model. And I just felt like, okay, if they didn't hear me in the initial discussion when they're trying to win my business, I don't feel like they're going to take care of me moving forward. So I'm just going to take care of myself, right? And I think oftentimes a lot of us feel like that. I'll just take care of it myself. And so that's what I chose to do. I love that. It makes me think about like the types of things that you're probably talking to your clients with and helping people in terms of coaching them and helping them realize what it is that they want before they may even know enough about it to ask for that and sort of listening to these deeper questions that you have. And just even the fact that like you didn't feel listened to. So right. how can we all be a little bit more empowered to say, I think I want my wealth to do this for me and to be able to convey that to somebody and have them just listen back to you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you sort of coach now through that process or how you advise people through that process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really depends on why are they coming to me, right? Some people, they might be starting over. They might be like me, you know, coming out of a divorce. I mean, luckily I was coming out of a divorce, but like I said, we didn't have kids. There wasn't a whole lot of assets to divide. I mean, it, from that perspective, it was a pretty clean divorce in that way. But that's not the case with a lot of women. They might have children. They might have, you know, assets, things that they need to figure out and they don't even know where to begin, right? And the other thing too, if for anyone who's you know not been divorced, you know, no matter how great or terrible the process was from a psychological, from a mental standpoint, it is very taxing. You know, it took me a couple of years to even get to the point where I was like, okay, I need to go talk to someone because you're kind of just coming out of the whole dizzying experience <laughs> of divorce, you know? So it takes a minute. So in the beginning, it's just a matter of finding out where are they right now and what are they trying to achieve, right? That's really what I try to focus on initially. And that's why I have a coaching program. I have a couple different programs because some are going to apply 
you know, to one group and, and one will apply to another. I think it depends on just, you know, where you are. Are you just focused on investing? Because maybe you have all the fundamentals together, right? And the fundamentals are the same no matter who you are, right? I always tell people, I don't care if you make $10,000 a day, $10,000 a month, you know, $10,000 a year. Like there are certain fundamentals that everyone should understand about their money. That's the foundation. And then you grow, you know, build on top of that. So really for me in those initial conversations, I want to understand where are you right now? What is your mindset around money? And what are you looking for me to do? How can I help? I have a team of strategic partners, right? Because I work with people who might be eight, you know, nine figure families and I have strategic partners who specifically specialize with that. So we work together, we team together to support them. It might be someone, like I said, who's just coming out of a divorce or something, or just direct, they just graduated from school and now they're all of a sudden, you know, working in IT, making 230,000 and they still have like a hundred thousand in student loans, but it could just be someone like in their forties and they're a young family and they have paid off all their debt and they're just looking to make sure that they don't have to work forever. And they just want to build a special life. So People come to me at different stages in life and with different situations, you know, different financial situations. And I just try to meet them where they are, listen to what they're trying to achieve and then help them get there. So whether it's just through the coaching or the coaching and the implementation. Mm. Before we whiz by it, I'm sure our listeners are like, wait, wait, wait. She said there's fundamental like things that everybody (laughs) should know about their money. Can you just give us maybe like a teaser of what that is? Like, I'm sure people are like, Oh, I don't I, I want to be sure I got those. I have the check mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I think of it this way, going back to the same advisor that I went to, right? The only discussion we had in the slick portfolio was about investing, right? They didn't talk to me about, I mean, not that they didn't talk about it, but you know, we talked a little bit about like savings and having liquidity, that type of thing. They didn't ask me if I had life insurance. They didn't ask me if I had any kind of paycheck protection. Like if I were to get sick and I couldn't work, would I still have income coming in to pay my bills? They did ask me about debt. I didn't really have a lot of debt, but you know, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on that. I feel like this foundation, you know, things that need to be in place before we take the leap into investing, right? Like I tell people all the time, there's investing and there's saving, right? So saving is boring. It's going to make you fall asleep, but it's safe, right? You may not earn high digit returns, but that money is going to be there when you need it. Investing is money investing is when you should, it's the money that willing to lose, right? So investing means you're going to take some level of risk, some is managed risk, right? But there's some level of risk so that you are likely to, at some point, there could be a dip in that money. So you may invest, you know, 50,000 and you may see a dip in that 50. You may double that 50. You have no idea. There's no guarantees with that money. With the savings, there's guarantees. So I think that everyone should have some foundation set of liquidity, of savings so that no matter what happens with the investments, no matter how great they are, no matter how much you've managed the risk, things happen, things change. You know, you've kind of neutralized it, right? You think of the hot water faucet, the cold water faucet, right? You don't just run the hot water in the shower, you'd burn yourself, right? You don't just run the cold water, you like freeze it up. You get it to a temperature that you can tolerate and that's how your overall financial portfolio should look. But there's that foundation first and then you build on top of it. I love that holistic kind of view of this is all these pieces. And then also you spoke about the mindset in the beginning too, when you were initially listing that. And I think that even more so, that's probably a foundational piece that's not acknowledged in wealth building at all. And I'd love to hear 
yeah, a little bit more about kind of what you think is important about pulling out the mindset piece in this whole process. Yeah. I mean, I will ask people like, what is your experience with money? You know, what was it like growing up? They may have grown up in a household, maybe like, you know, their dad took care of all the bills and they just really never saw it. There was just always money available. When they wanted to go on a school trip, the money was there. When they wanted to, you know, go away, the money was there. Like they never had to think about it. And then all of a sudden now they have to manage money and they've never had a conversation around money. It could be the opposite end. Like money was very scarce in their household. They were never able to afford to do much. And so they're very like hoardish, you know, with their money. They're like afraid to do things. I like to have that discussion. I like to have that discussion. I have this thing called the six major wealth destroyers. And one of them is like knowledge, mindset, belief. It's kind of rolled up into one, but that could be a major wealth destroyer, right? If you just kind of hoard your money, you don't want to ever do anything with it. It can't really grow and it's not going to keep up with inflation. So you're actually hurting your ability to grow wealth. But if you are like, hey, the next dollar will come around. It's like, it's okay. Like, it's just going to magically fall from the trees. That's not very healthy either, right? Maybe you've put all this money in investing, but you really don't have any type of insurance put in place. And if you get sick or hurt, you're going to end up spending all that money that you made because you couldn't afford to pay like all the medical bills or whatever is the case, right? Maybe you end up having a child with special needs. And it's going to cost you a lot more to raise that child than it could have. Like, there's just all these different things that happen. That's why the foundation is important, you know, and then you kind of invest on top of that. The first step is just reaching out, right? Like some people are just scared to even reach out. And there are some people who were like me. I was like, I'll do it myself, right? But there's still things that I had, I learned along the way. I didn't know everything. Yeah, I was learning about real estate investing. Investing is only one part of your overall like financial portfolio. That's just one piece of it. And you really want to make sure that you have an overall view, a holistic view, and that you've taken care of each part of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. What is the bigger impact of having specifically women, especially, have more confidence and control? So getting past that foundational stage, you know, working with you, getting a hold of their finances, what does that do for people as you've seen with your clients and your groups? Yeah, well, there's something called like, I don't think I've coined this phrase, but you know, the concept of a wealth gap, right? So with women, we often talk about the income gap and income again, is just one dimension of wealth, right? So yes, in general, women tend to earn less than men over time if they're doing the same job. But what about in the case of divorce, right? When there is a divorce that may happen, typically the woman will end up with having the kids like either full custody or having them more of the time. That's a much greater cost. So if they're earning less and they have greater expenses, that could be a factor. Perhaps the woman had to, you know, they they could be married or single, whatever, but if she has to leave work to have the baby and it interrupts their career path, it could affect their ability to get promoted. As much as we'd like to say that the world is fair, it's not fair, okay? It can affect a woman's ability to move up the career ladder and therefore affect her income. It could be where a lot of us, you know, again, I'm in that 50 year old age range, you know, we are kind of the sandwich generation. We have parents who are, you know, in their 70s, 80s, you know, could be older. And then we have kids. So we are in the sandwich generation where, again, we may have to end up sacrificing time at the office or our production, our performance might um, be sacrificed because we're expending so much time being a caretaker of a parent or a grandparent and a caretaker of our kids. There's just all these different dimensions that affect women in different ways than they affect men in general, obviously speaking in generals and generality. So when we think of all those different factors, the one thing we can never change and get back is time. So if all these things are happening over this like time horizon, when we get to the point when we're ready to, 
you know, step away, we haven't had the ability to earn the same way and grow our money the same way. And so it's a conversation we need to have. What are the things that we can put in place now that can try to fill some of those gaps if we our income gets interrupted, right? We kind of have that discussion. We put some things in place there. But then also let's diversify our investments. Maybe we do still have some things in the market, but we do, you know, other things like great opportunities like we have, you know, with Good Egg and other places. So helping them to understand that there are other things. You don't have to just hand your money over to someone and let them take full control. And some people, that's what they want, right? I mean, maybe with their mindset, I'm not ready to work with them because they really are terrified. You know, there's not much I can do about that. We certainly will have conversations, but some people, they just need someone else to take care of it. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they still shouldn't have the education that I provide because then they know if that person that they choose to work with, if they're really putting their best interests first or not, right? Yeah, probably a long answer. (laughs) But yeah, I think with my process, we really want to make sure that I understand exactly what you're looking to do. I want to understand where you are today and be honest. This is the one thing I could say probably for any financial professional out there, anyone working with people and with their money, be open and honest about your money. Don't be embarrassed. Don't come to me and feel like you're going to be judged. You will not be judged. I've seen the full gamut and help people out of deep, deep holes. And I've helped people who are already, you know, you think at the summit and help them get even higher, but you have to be honest. You have to disclose where you are so I can best help you. Yeah. I feel like that right there is why people love working with you. It's why I love working with you, Leslie, is that, you. you know, there's no judgment. It's like, I feel like for women, especially women, divorced women or women in a vulnerable situation, you're scared to go and admit that maybe you haven't paid as much attention to your finances as you would like to have, or, you know, maybe you don't even know where all the money is. And what I love about your approach is you're like, Come, come hither, come hither. It's okay. Let me help you. I got you. you. I got you. I'm here with you. Let's work through this together. And you're so great at helping anybody, but women especially, understand the foundational aspects of all these different pieces of building wealth. But speaking of which, I know that you've got a brand new mentoring club called Shift, and it's specifically for women. And so before we wrap, tell us a little bit about Shift. Why did you create it? Who is it for? And how do you help women through Shift? Okay, so Shift Money Mentoring Club, that's what it's called. I know it's long, so I just say Shift. (laughs) I created this program specifically for higher earning women who might be single, maybe never married, if they're divorced, maybe widowed, right? So there are a lot of what some of they may face, a lot of the hurdles that I just kind of talked about, right? If they don't have that dual income, well, let me just start with number one, the best tax bracket to be in from an ordinary income tax perspective is the married filing jointly. <laughs> you have the lowest tax rates. So if you're not married filing jointly, you're going to pay as a single taxpayer. The rate is much higher. So if your income is already lower and you're paying a higher tax rate, again, over time, that is going to hurt you. That is cutting into your ability to build wealth. So SHIFT is really a program designed to really speak to that group of women. Again, the fundamentals are the same for everybody, but there are some specific things that we'll be doing for this group of women. It's a 12-month program, and each month I will be teaching, um, there'll be some kind of like education that I will be providing myself, but then I'll also be bringing in other subject matter experts in the area of finance or investing or taxes, that type of thing, who will speak 
specifically to this group of women, again, because things can be a little bit different for them. So that is Shift. I launched at the end of 2023. And so, yeah, so we're, we're going now. And yeah, I encourage any women, and even let me say this, any men who have a sister, an ex-wife, something like that, there are women in your life that you probably think, hmm, they might be able to use this. Um, I certainly have a lot of male clients who say, yeah, Leslie, I've been trying to get my sister to call you. And I know it can be hard. It's hard to talk to family members about money sometimes, but I really encourage you, you know, take that step, be courageous and, you know, at least just share the link to shift and see if there's a 20 minute um, informational you know, video that they can watch to see if they're interested or not, right? Just take it from there, but you've done your part introducing them to them. So I say to, you know, even married women out there, you know, certainly encourage your, your female friends who you, even if you think that they're really great with money, there's still something to be learned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so encourage them to just take the step and learn more about shift. Absolutely. I think a lot of people look to to me to say, oh, she must be great at money. And still, every time I talk to you, I learn something new. <laughs> and you have yeah. such a holistic approach to it. And that's the beauty of community, right? With women, especially, there's such value in community and having that sounding board to really relay back and forth. Here's what I'm thinking. What are you doing? And it's yeah. such a collaborative effort. Um, so I love that. We're going to circle back to the link so that people can learn more about all that you do and shift. But first, we're going to go to the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you the three questions that we ask all our guests. Leslie, you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first question is about your life and money. So tell us one thing that you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design. Well, um, I would say something I recently learned about this woman we've said on a panel just a few weeks ago. And so I intend to do some things with her. She has a nonprofit called Eight Cents in a Jar. And I could take an hour to tell you her story. But in short, it's a nonprofit program to get kids more financially literate around money and investing. So I really plan to start working with her more, just trying to make some time to be with her. She's here locally where I am. And I'm in Orlando, Florida. And I work with people across the country, but she's here so I'm going to work with her more to provide whatever tools I can to get, help her get that word out, get that financial literacy out to the children. Because think of all the things that would have done better if we just knew more or better things about money when we were young, right? We wouldn't have made certain mistakes or made certain choices. So I feel like that's one thing I plan to do more intentionally to work with her. Love that. What a great opportunity to kind of take everything that you've learned through your own situation, as well as working with your clients and bring it to a younger generation before they have all these distortions of life and all of the the bad habits to unbreak, to kind of get them earlier on and show them the path. So that's amazing. And you're seeing all that stuff that's coming with people that you're working with. That's like, Ooh, if if we could just talk to kids about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being <laughs> confident about money because you started to learn about it when you were like seven, eight, nine years old, you know? Yep. And Very then you go into marriage, eyes wide open, you know, your finances throughout. So however the marriage continues or ends, you, yeah. you're not left in a situation where you're suddenly shocked back into right. reality. And so, right. or if you never get married, it's okay. Right. You have put yourself in a place financially where you understand what you're doing and you're taking the steps that you need to do. Yes. Right. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Second question is to help others with their life and money. So share with us one life or money hack, a tip, a resource, a book, something that's really helped you on your path that you think may help others as well. Mm -hmm. Something that's helped me. I will say I do do this and I encourage my clients to do this as well. When you get a new credit card, immediately go in and schedule an automatic payment for the minimum balance due. That way you will never have a late payment, right? Like if, you, if you're not able to pay off the balance at, all, all at once, right? It could be um, like, for example, I, had, I put windows in my place, <laughs> several thousand dollars. I couldn't pay it all off in one month. I paid it off over a few months, but I made sure that I had at least the minimum scheduled automatically to be paid on the credit card so that I didn't ever have a late pay, right? It's like the last thing you want is to have your credit dinged because you know you were busy and we're all busy. So that's probably one little thing I would say to do, just automatically schedule the minimum payment. And at least you know that that will get paid. And if you want to put on more or pay it off afterward, that's great. <laughs> but at least you didn't get that late hit. Love that. That's such a great little hack that nobody would like write a book about or anything, right. but it's like a practical little tip that's so yes. easy to do and could save you a lot of headaches down the road. Good one. I like that. <laughs> All right. Last question is about life and money in the world. So share with us one thing. You've already shared one thing you're going to work with eight cents in a jar, but if there's another yeah. thing that you're doing to help make the world a better place. Yes. Yeah, so this is another group actually that I'm a volunteer. I started volunteering with them over a year ago. So it is the Aura Lee Smith Cancer Research Foundation. I'm volunteering with them. This is an incredible organization. The Dr. Hydea Green, she literally invented a treatment for cancer. So any type of tumor cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, stomach cancer, brain tumor cancer, anything like that, she's actually designed a laser to treat it. Now, she has had so many inquiries from venture capitalists and investors, but she doesn't want that. She really kind of sees the St. Jude model as her model. She wants everybody to be able to have access to this treatment. As simple as we can kind of just, you know, take some medicine and we could cure it of a cold. It could be like that, you know, for cancer. That's how she envisions it. And so she's raising money for the human trials. So I'm helping her with that and volunteering in any way that I can. I just feel like that. Imagine if we could rid or at least have an easy way to treat tumor cancer in people, not just here in this country, but around the world. I mean, think of the quality of life and think of the families that would be changed if, you know, at least tumor cancer was not like a deadly disease anymore, right? And for and no, everyone. Available and accessible to everyone. Think of how many people go bankrupt trying to treat, you know, cancer. So anyway, get off my soapbox. But that is something that I'm doing that I hope from a health perspective, and obviously it down the road does have a financial impact on families and generations. But from a health perspective, I hope that we can, you know, see this foundation, you know, get the support that it deserves so we can get these human trials going and start to save lives. It's always amazing when you discover people doing such incredible things. Yes. And I love that you've found a way to participate and be part of that and help to amplify the impact. Yeah. It sounds like she's doing incredible things. I look forward to hearing more about yes. her and your work with that group. But before we wrap, Leslie, share with our listeners, if they did want to follow up with you, I'm sure many of them will, whether through Shift or through your other programs, through Whole Life, 
what's the best place that they can go? Yep. Just go to rebelrockwealth.com. On there, you'll see a button. If you're interested in learning more about Shift, you can go to learn about Shift. If you just want to book time with me, you can see a button for book time. Just want to contact me. There's a contact. So just go to the website and you can reach me for any reason. You can reach me there. Leslie Batson, founder of Rebel Rock Wealth. Leslie, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and sharing your updates and all of your wisdom with us and our listeners today. Yes, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks, Leslie. Okay, take care.